Welcome back to Sidewalk Skyline Podcast. Our guest today is Paula Castrucci, and she has a lot to say about living as a single person involved in urban ministry. Originally, this session was recorded at the Our City Toronto Conference in 2019. Combining her two passions of working with youth and working with the homeless, she's found a way to blend these two into her work with Youth Unlimited Toronto. One of their programs, Light Patrol, uh, that she's involved in is an initiative helping homeless youth. Additionally, uh, she works part uh, time with Doxa Ministries, discipling youth and creating service opportunities. This includes uh, her starting a texting initiative to encourage students uh, during the pandemic. Until recently, Paula was also a part of Move In, an intentional community that was in the Flemington Park neighborhood of Toronto. In today's session, Paula shares uh, with vulnerability and insight uh, into the life of a single person living in the city. Let's go to that session right now, shall we? Quick, kind uh, of figure out who's in my audience here. All the single people, raise your hand. Show me your left hand. Yep, 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 yep. That's not a call out because I'm single, just so you're aware. The, all the married people? We got th- four married people. I was thinking about setting up this place as like single people facing each other because that's what church programs do, right? When you go to single ministry and they're like, let's make this awkward and matchmaking. But that's not what this is about. Welcome to Single and Ready to Flamingo in the City. Yes, and Ready to Flamingo. It's just a cute picture. Okay, Susan. Listen, my name is Paula. I work for Toronto's Youth for Christ as the Project Serve Toronto team lead, which essentially means I get to facilitate and lead short-term mission trips in an urban setting. I'm also part of an organization called Move In, and what that means is that is uh, a place where I get to actually move into a community, kind of like Karen is talking about uh, the last couple days, and I get to be intentional about building relationships with my neighbors to share the gospel with them. But in doing that, it actually gives me a community of people who are doing the same thing. So there are 13 people in my patch that we meet with every single Monday night for a potluck and prayer. We get to encourage each other in our faith. But I am also single. And again, that's not a call out to the single people here. That's just to say that is the very nature of this workshop. What is it like to be single in ministry? Here we go. The infamous Mother Teresa founded a religious organization by the name of Missionaries of Charity, which existed to love and care for those on the margins of society. In doing so, she inspired and enabled 4,500 people spread across 133 countries to do the exact same. Mother Teresa, a dedicated and compassionate Nobel Peace Prize winner and single. Amy Carmichael, after hearing Hudson Taylor speak about this life as a missionary, this girl was convinced that she was called to be one too. Years later, she relocated to a city in India known for its prostitution ring and was responsible for freeing over a thousand young kids from its grip. Kids that were sold in it by their very parents. Earning her the honorable name of Ama, which means mom. Amy Carmichael, an inspirational and driven mother to many, and single. Are you good? Yeah, I'm just fixing it. 
You're, I love you. Thank you so much. Brother John Frampton, which will be up on the screen momentarily. For the past 14 years, this wonderful friend of mine has managed St. Francis Table, a Capuchin Outreach for the Poor in a very Parkdale. Some of you are very close to that community. Uh, he loves people from all walks of life, people who are struggling with mental illness and addiction, elderly people who are just in need of some companionship. You're the best. <clears throat> Refugees who are fresh to the country. They get a homemade meal for only a dollar. And to date, over 1 million, get this in your head, 1,400,000 people have walked through its doors, which means 1,400,000 faces and people and stories. And Brother John knows them by name. Brother John, hilarious. He's a funny man. Intentional and kind-hearted. Also, single. So in hearing these three stories and, and even realizing what, what I've been able to do in my own life, in the season that I'm in, I, I ask us this today. Why is being single looked down upon in the church? Why are singles referred to as less than, incomplete, too picky, homosexual, or deeply flawed? I remember coming to, to church as a 16-year-old, and I remember everybody was talking about, I mean, that's what teenagers do. I work with them. They're all talking about boys and girls, right? And they're all talking about wanting to get married. And I heard that Christians get married really fast, and we all know why. And here I am looking at the guys. I'm like, he's cute, you know, and I'm trying my best, like, pick up lines, you know, like, hey, 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 Dave, I was, uh, fake name, by the way. Uh, hey, Dave, I, I was reading numbers this morning and realized I didn't have yours. <laughs> Oh, all right, that's awesome. And then Dave didn't work out, and someone else would come in, like a new guy, you know, and the new people come into youth group, and you're like, woo, another one, right? And you're like, hey, Bill, what's up? I don't know if you noticed, but I was the one that gave you that clap offering this morning. <laughs> you know, and so then I go, I go to Bible college, and it's actually advertised by leadership as bridal college. Yeah. Or, hey, Paula, you can go get your Mrs. degree, your MRS. Or, hey, don't, don't worry, you're going to get your ring by spring. And that's the way it's actually, like, taught and advertised. How about, hey, Paula, how about you go to Bible college and connect to the Lord? You know, or, hey, Paula, how about you go to Bible college and, and get deep into the Word? You know, but instead it's like, you're going to go, because that's the design for Christians, right, is to, to go into youth group and get married really young, or to go into Bible college and get married really young. And here I was, unmarried at the end of Bible college, going, well, this is a jip. And the truth of the matter is, I want to be married, and I wanted to be married, and I wanted to have a family, and I wanted to be a mom, and I still have that desire inside of me today. I'm going through Bible college, and I'm waiting on my husband like this. You know, like, maybe this year, maybe it's this year, maybe it's this year, maybe it's this year. It's not this year. I'm 39 years old, I'm single, but what we're going to talk about today is that that it's a gift. Are, are there hardships? Absolutely. Do I hear really dumb things? Absolutely. In fact, the other day I was with a, a few teams. There are families that come through Project Serve, and uh, I'm sitting around a table, and this friend says to me, Paul, I got a guy for you. This is a very common. If single people, you hear me, like they're always looking for you, which I appreciate, but thank you. I'm okay. I have two eyes myself, right? And so <laughs> we're like, Paul, I got, a, I got a guy for you. And she starts telling me about this guy. He's 39. I'm like, okay, check, right? He's not 22. Sorry, Jackson. And I'm like, okay, he's 39, right? I'm like, okay. And he's, he hasn't dated much and he loves the Lord and he's been on a mission trip. And then she says again, but he hasn't dated much. And this other mom, I won't say her name because Malat knows her. Like, red flag, red flag, red flag. <laughs> so I'm like, What's a red flag? She's like, he hasn't dated, no way. <clears throat> he must be gay. <laughs> and I'm looking at her, and I'm like, 
Do you realize I'm 39? Do you realize I haven't dated much? Do you think I'm gay? Like, this is the thing. This is what's being said, right? It, there has to be a reason, other than God calling you to singleness, or other than God calling you to singleness for a, a season, there has to be a reason that this guy, he's deeply flawed. Red flag. Or I'm sitting with my sister, who's not a follower of Christ, and we're in, in her truck, and we're driving through Ottawa not too long ago, and she says, I'm so successful. Oh, really, Amanda? Tell me more. <laughs> right? She's like, I have a truck and a house and a husband and a kid. And so I'm like, hey, listen, I'm so happy for you. I, I celebrate those things in your life. I love my nephew. I like coming over. But do you think that I'm unsuccessful because I don't have any of those things? I say, I don't have a car. I wouldn't drive a truck, that's for sure. I don't have a house. I don't have a husband. I don't have a child. Do you think I'm unsuccessful? Uh, um, uh, no. Uh, you have a lot of friends. Okay. I do have a lot of friends. I love having a lot of friends. I have a really, really rich life. And at that moment in time, it, it made me laugh and chuckle, but it actually reflects a lot of what people think of us as single people, especially in ministry. It's so hard, right? Like, I'll be honest with you. I think it's a gift. And that's what we're going to talk about. The heaviest, I think it's a gift. I love my life. I live a rich life. It's very difficult, right? There are moments where I feel deeply lonely. There are moments where I wish I could come home, even though it's unrealistic at times with married couples, but I wish I could come home and be able to process something with somebody that really, really knows me and can sympathize and can understand, but it can also lead me into the right direction. Somebody that really knows me intimately. I mean, we're all adults in here, right? Like, it's, it's difficult to live in a sexually saturated world and not be able to have it, right? Like, we're all adults. It's, it's difficult to, to fight purity. Like, that's a hill I feel like I'm going to die on some days, right? It's really hard to, to go through that. I don't have anyone to scratch my back in that spot that I can't get. I'm, like, trying to rub myself on the wall in my house, like, on the corner, right? Can't have people to help to spend, spend things and, and to pick up bills sometimes. It, it can be really hard, and you have to deal with online dating, exhibit A, from a Christian who... I actually know, and he doesn't know I know him. Hey there, baby cakes, how are ya? I have gone through your profile several times, creepy, and have chosen you to be my wife and the bearer of my next child. I've already done you the favor of asking your parents, they're dead, you jerk, <laughs> for your hand, and although shocked, they have agreed to give you away. Not happening. Yay us! I was staring at your chest, again creepy, and have taken a wild guess of your sizes. The undergarments and dress I've picked out for you will be ready and delivered to your door. Mm, pretty sure I can order my own clothes, thanks very much. Don't worry, your parents already gave me your address. My mom would be on the lawn with a bat. Our wedding will be this Sunday at 11, and he put his real church, so I crossed it out because this is, you know, a, a place where a lot of people have gathered. Your hubby, boom. Okay, kidding, jeez. I think you're one beautiful woman, which is plural, so that's an insult. Mm -hmm. Can we talk? Okay, I say that like I was reading it kind of funny, but it's hilarious. Like I'm reading this being like, is this a joke? I don't know if this is a joke, right? There are some really fun things to online dating, but even still, all the cons, there are cons to marriage as well, right? Married people, there are cons to marriage. <laughs> there are cons to being married as well. Singleness is actually a gift, and that's what we're going to talk about. All right, let's look at scripture real fast. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 7, 7 and 9 in the message. Sometimes I wish everyone were single like me. A simpler life in many ways, right, married people? But celibacy is not for everyone any more than marriage is. 
God gives the gift, you see that, bolded in white, the gift of single life to some, the gift of the married life to others, also a gift. I do, though, tell the unmarried and widows that singleness might well be the best thing for them, as it's been for me. Like, that's his experience, right? It could be the best thing for you. But if they can't manage their desires and emotions, why a lot of people, young people get married, they should by all means go ahead and get married. The difficulties of marriage are preferable by far to a sexually tortured life as a single. I just thought I'd throw that in there, okay? So show the real life. Let's go to NIV for those of you who think I'm a heretic for using the message. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord, right? But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife and his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs, but her aim, her aim, is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. Being single means I can live a life of undivided devotion to God and his work, at least aim to. So I mentioned that I worked for Youth for Christ, and so what that entails is students get put in my care for a day, a weekend, or a full week. And my boss, who has almost three children at this point, has actually said to me that it's a benefit that I'm on staff because I can actually stay with the students full time. And so they will arrive to me on a Sunday morning, and they will uh, leave me on a Saturday morning. And so I have that full week where I get to invest in my students and educate them about poverty and homelessness, plug them into amazing organizations, and help them kind of figure out and process what it looks like in their own world to go back and to, to give into their own communities. It is a blessing to be able to actually be there with the students all the time. I have tried taking breaks and it just does something. It just divides the week. I miss things. I don't know what, where necessarily the Lord's going in, in that area. And so it's a really great opportunity for me to, to hang out and spend full time with the students. Something that not necessarily I couldn't do if I was married, but then there's that, that undivided attention of me being there wondering how my house is being taken care of and my husband is, my kids are, etc. And so in, in Youth for Christ, we have this uh, whole credentialing process that takes people usually two to five years. It's an, in addition to the work that we get to do. And so uh, I actually got to become credentialed this year really rapidly. They made a mistake with my schedule. And so in three months, because I had a lot of time on my hands, I was able to uh, take that step and just dig into the Word and do some Bible exams and panel exams and interviews and such and become credentialed with Youth for Christ, which enhances my life with the Lord and also enhances my ministry, which is really great. Something, again, that I not necessarily would have had the time to do, although married people do do it a lot, but undivided attention. I mentioned that I was a part of Move In picture. On the left, that's some of my crazy friends on a Monday on our elevator way up. We decided to take selfies. I have no idea why. But I get to be present in my community, and so I get to go home after work, and I get to sit outside and hold doors for people and look like the weirdo in my building. I get to high-five people, I can ride the elevator if I want. I get to hang out and have dinner with my neighbors, and I get to invest a lot of time into my own community as well. And here on the right hand, is Sonia, Sonia, is Sonia in here? Oh, Sonia. Right here, we go to the church in Regent Park. So you'll notice that's Marg right there playing her guitar. Marg has a really uh, special place in my heart. I won't go through her story because it's her story to tell, but I will say this, that she says that she's a guitar player. And so one time I brought team there. They were doing some worship. And I said, Marg, go get your guitar. No idea if she can play. It's Marg, go get your guitar. I'm telling you that that picture doesn't even depict half of the joy that I saw on Mark's face as she stood there just not playing the guitar, just <laughs> strumming. So happy, felt like a part of a team she was. She felt like she belonged. And so I get to spend time on Saturday nights at Regent Park, and I also get to go for coffee with people and get to hang out with people in that community as well because I have a lot of time. 
right here on the left. This is pretty much a slideshow of my life. You're welcome. I get to work with Bible College every November for their Urban Plunge mission trip, similar to kind of what you guys are going through in this conference. And I also get to stay with the students. The rest of the team gets to go home to their families, and I get the awesome responsibility of hanging out with them full-time, which, again, just helps me build relationships and, and do a great job. And here, EJ just walked in, but sometimes I get to cover EJ's street walks for Gateway, Dion. So uh, very excited I can be called last minute because I have an open schedule. So it's really great that I can be, I know, it's, it's true though, right? It's really great that I'm able to do such life-giving things and to, to walk out the call of God in my life because I am single and because I have no children. Encouragement. This is one of my favorite things to do in the entire world. I think the Lord has given us each spiritual gifts, and I spend a lot of time each day asking the Lord who needs encouragement in my life, whether it's a text or a phone call or a handwritten letter. I send probably 10 letters a week in the mail to other people across the country. I use my jobs accordingly to encourage people. I worked at a Second Cup once in Ottawa, right? You like Second Cup? Girl, caramel credos are life, right? They're, and they have better pumpkin spice letters than Starbucks. Everybody, you're welcome for that, too. And so here I am, working at this coffee shop right across from the Parliament Buildings in Ottawa. And I'm getting bored. I get bored really easily. So, like, you know what it's like. Once you know how to make the lattes, you're like, mm, you're, like, making them. And then you realize that people come in like clockwork, right? Like, 9 o'clock, Tim's coming for his medium paradiso. And at 9.02, Susie's there for her tea, right? And so it's becoming monotonous. And I'm like, Lord, please save me, because that's what we do when we're in a difficult situation. Instead of thinking about, like, character development or anything, we're like, Lord, take me out of this mess, right? And so I got to my point where I was praying that, and... And then I realized for a second that everybody that had come into my coffee shop, their disposition was quite negative. Like they were tired. There was a lot of lawyers and, and government workers coming through and they were so exhausted and they were just like, I just, just another day at the office and they were miserable. And I thought, hey, the Lord's given me a gift of encouragement. And so I picked up a marker and I picked up a cup and I called it just a couple of words. I began to ask the Lord every single day and even outside of work because I have time to show me what to write on these cups. And so I wrote anything from, you are not alone, to this too shall pass, you are loved, whatever the case may be, whatever was on my heart, I had no idea what the Lord was going to do with that. I had grown men leaving crying out of my coffee shop, saying that's exactly what they needed. I had somebody come in and tell me that what was written on their coffee cup had solved six months of conflict at work. I had teachers coming in and thanking me for writing encouragement to their students. I had lawyers coming in and saying these cups were the talk of the boardroom. And I'm not saying that to look at it. I'm saying that I had time to use a spiritual gift that the Lord had given me. I had time to seek him and ask him what he wanted me to say to people. I had no idea what people needed when they walked into my coffee shop other than coffee. I had no idea. I could see their face. I could see their discouragement. I could see their, their weariness, but I had no idea what they needed to say, to say, to even hear. I had no idea what was going on in their life, but God did. And so I took my spiritual gift like I do now, and I say, Lord, what can I do with the time that I've been given and the resources I have and the gift that you have given me? How can I be a minister of your gospel? So I have a lot of time to write letters, which in turn is very life-giving to me. Being single means I have a lot of time and energy for my family and friends. Woo! Woo! I'm sorry, you get a little excited. Okay, I mentioned this morning, for those of you who are there, that my mom has passed away. It's been three years uh, now since cancer. And, 
And so uh, she had lived in Allison where I grew up and she had uh, been told to do some treatment here in the city at Princess Margaret. And so if you are out of town, you actually get to go to the Princess Margaret Lodge. And so she had been there. At the time I was living in Mississauga, I was running a catering company. I was the only one of my family members that could actually go and visit my mom. So every day after managing the catering company, I got on a go bus and a subway and I went to meet my mom at six o'clock on the dot every single night to hang out with her and have dinner with her. And every time I would leave, she would wave. I don't know about you, but like, I hate when people wave. It's like painful. I don't know what it is, but like my mom would wave and I would just cry. And not just because of the circumstance, she would wave at her house too and I would cry. It's a weird, so don't wave at me, okay, please. Do not wave at me, but she would wave. And I say, mom, especially under the circumstances at this point, I say, mom, please don't wave when I leave. Please don't wave. And so pictured here is what she decided to do from now on is make funny faces through the window at me, which still in some sense made me cry. Then she got clear of cancer and she moved to Ottawa, which is the second circle right there. My sister was taking very good care of her at the time and they decided to go on a cruise because caregivers need rest too. And so I got to go because of my schedule, because of my life, because the season I am in, I got to go to Ottawa and spend a full week with my mom, just her and I. We had some great memories. I also got to come back and work and go back and continue to go back to Ottawa as my mom's health decreased. The top right-hand picture there is my mom at Christmas time when she was getting really, really sick and same thing. I got to go and pick up and go to Ottawa and give up everything here because I didn't have to worry about anything. And I got to go and spend some time with my mom. Unfortunately, a couple months after that top right-hand picture, she passed away. We got called that even though cancer had taken every part of her body, it did not take her eyes, which was very significant for us because my mom, through her trials, had one of the best perspectives I've ever seen. And so it was very significant to find out that my mom got to donate her corneas and so I and my nephew, because the other ones were too emotional, we actually got to walk up and receive an award on my mom's behalf, which is currently in my house. And can I tell you that I would be single the rest of my life if it meant that I could have that time with my mom. If I could go back, there's nothing I would have changed. I am so thankful for the time that I got to spend with her, the conversations and the love that I got to see and, and realize as a caregiver, especially when you're taking care of your mom, it's really weird and backwards, right? Because she's the one that's supposed to take care of you. I would never trade this time for a husband or for kids. I had a lot of time and energy for my family and my friends. On a happy note, my younger brother had his first child about two years ago and same thing. On a whim, she was uh, gonna give birth. My sister-in-law was gonna give birth really quick. And so uh, he called me and I was able to just drop everything and go and be there for him to support him in the birth of my niece Arlo. And then right on the right, my sister, after five years of trying, called me and said she was pregnant. And six months ago, because my mom is not here, she asked me to be in the delivery room. And I tell you, it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my entire life. And a, a degree of love, even though it's not my own child, a degree of love that I can never take back. And I'm thankful thankful for the season I'm in and the, and the ability to do that. I'm not saying if you're married, you can't go be there for your mom. I'm not saying if you're married, you can't be there for your siblings. What I'm saying is that there's this undivided attention, right? Because I know that there's a burden thinking about what's happening at home if you're somewhere else. But I don't have that. I can just celebrate with my friends. 
I get to celebrate ministry moments and book signings and graduations, and I get to volunteer at my old job when my, my friends call me and say, please come to the kids' table and be crazy with me. You know, I get to show up this this student in the bottom right, she came through a missions trip. Uh, she was from Wichita, Kansas. She came through a missions trip uh, in 2011. In fact, the Lord used her to show me what I needed to do for the rest of my life. We have stayed in contact, and she graduated from Baylor University last Christmas. And she actually flew me there with her own money so I could be there and see her graduate. But again, I could because I have a lot of time. Being single means I have a lot of freedom, Right? No, yeah, and a lot of fun. As you can see, I'm kind of a fun person. I live for adventure, which sometimes is a bad thing. I've been on 14 airplanes in the last year. I know, I count, I'm a little weird. Like once I counted on flight, because I really get bored on long flights. So I'm like, what can I do? Let's count how many flights I've been on. It's like recounting my life. And so uh, this team here on the left-hand side is from New Brunswick. They came through my program uh, last summer. And I really connected with their daughter because we both struggle with mental health. And so the dad came to me at the end of the trip and he said, we want to fly you out to New Brunswick and take care of you and give you a week of rest. And so I went out there. I've since been back three times, two of which they paid for as well. I'm going back in October. He's coming to town on Sunday to take me out for dinner, which is I try to pay and he just won't let me, which is very kind. They're monthly supporters of mine in my ministry. I've been able to continue to invest in my work even a few provinces away. On the right, honeymoon Bay, look at, does that make you want to be there? Yes. Right? Beautiful. I know. We, it's our retreat center with my work, Youth for Christ. And so uh, I got to go again in August. What's that? Are you okay? Oh, I got to go again in August and uh, to hang out and just seek the Lord for what he wanted for my life and just to rest. I had very significant conversation on this very picnic bench as well as a really intimate encounter, one of the most intimate encounters I've ever had with the Lord. I was able to pick up and go on a whim, again, because I am single. I have this friend that works for WestJet. I tried to work for WestJet, but I made a little funny cover letter because WestJet's kind of funny, but I don't speak French, so they didn't hire me. But then I wrote my cover letter for my friend, and it was serious, and she got in because she speaks Spanish, but I get to benefit. And so she (laughs) gave me her companion pass once she called me, and she said, what are you doing in two weeks? I said, I don't know. Do you want to have dinner? She goes, no, I want you to fly to Europe with me. And so for $97, taxes in, I flew to Paris two weeks later. Flew to Paris, and then we went to Belgium, which is obviously waffles. That's not a real waffle, obviously, okay? So we went to Belgium, and then we went to Amsterdam, which I don't have a picture of at the moment. And then the same friend, just a couple, what, like, what are we, in September? So exactly a month ago, she called me and said, hey, do you want to hike the Grand Canyon? And I said yes without thinking about what it actually meant, like, because I'm an adventurer, right? So I'm like, yes, I have time and energy. Let me hike the Grand It is killer. Here's me a picture going down because I didn't want to show you my face <laughs> on the way up. Like, I'm, like, so excited saying hi to everyone. I called myself the Grand Canyon Greeter, so the GCG. I'm like, hey, hey, hey. And on the way up, I'm like, ah. Like, I'm trying not. It was so killer. I don't even know why I said yes to that, but at the time and energy to do so. So I did. It was an experience. I'd never do it again. I'm thankful that I did it, okay? But so traveling. And then this is just me drinking out of pineapple because I went to Cuba a couple weeks later because my life is so cool and so rich and singleness is a gift. 
It really is, and it's hard. I get it. I get it. It's hard. I mentioned maybe a few little things that are difficult about being single. It is difficult. It is hard, but it's so rich. And I'm like going through this. I wasn't feeling well last week, so I'm going through the slideshow, and I'm just being so thankful. You know, I'm thanking God for the opportunities that I've had and the life that he's given me and the ministry that I'm, I'm allowed to be a part of and the things that I get to do, such so as teach you guys about singleness or remind you what it's like. So, big question. Are single people... Oh, wow. Wow, Paula. Less than? No. Thanks for answering, Susan. Too picky? No. Sometimes. Incomplete? No. Deeply flawed? Mm, Yes. (laughs) We all are. But I'm not more flawed than the married people in this room, right? The big answer is no, 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 no. No. Hear that hear that single people no so the big question is how do we as a body of Christ married people and single people collaborate make sure that none of us even married people are discluded in the case may be so for the married folk the three of you inside of this room my recommendation based on on 39 so not single 39 because that's weird if you date at five but my experience as a single woman in ministry my advice to you is to Invite and include. I have learned more about marriage and parenting and teamwork than I ever have around someone's kitchen table. I have a few families, which you'll see momentarily, that have uh, allowed me the opportunity and the privilege to come into their house. As messy as it might be, you know, I know parents, right? You're like, they can't come over. I need to clean this dish and move this and dust. And like, it's not true. It's not true. It's not true. You can invite people into reality. You can invite people into mess. Like, don't give me a dirty dish when I'm sitting down for dinner. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, you can come. We can come into your mess. We want to see that. We want to see realistic. And we want to have, we want to see realism. We want to have realistic expectations of what marriage looks like and what family looks like. I don't want to come into a picture-perfect home and think parents never fight and they're, like, having the best conversations ever and their kids are perfect and proper and just sitting there, like, eating and there's no toys anywhere because then that's going to set me up for failure if I ever do get married, if I ever do have kids, whatever that looks like, whether I'm, like, Amy Carmichael and I have all these adopted children or whether I have my own, right? I want to be invited into, into your real life. I want to be included into your real life. I want to be included in ministry how many people don't get hired as a pastor because they don't have a spouse I know it's complicated there's stuff that goes on I get it right but the reality is is that we have callings too we have callings too and the best thing that you can do is to invite and include my favorite verse something that's very very close to my heart based on my parents being passed away and also my siblings being so far away and dysfunctional. We all have dysfunctional families. Am I right? God, I can't believe I said am I right? I hate when people say that. Am I right? God puts the lonely in families. On the left is my wonderful Youth for Christ family. They have been fantastic to me. They have been supportive. They've encouraged me in a holistic way in every area of my life. They have listened to me. They have prayed with me. They have been phenomenal. On the right-hand side, the Robsons, about uh, 10 years ago, I lived with this family. It was supposed to be like kind of a two-week interval. It turned into two and a half years. Uh, I felt so accepted. I felt like I belonged. And then uh, about three years ago, Rick, the husband, the dad, actually passed away. And so Sharon asked me if I would move back in with her because she was lonely and she couldn't afford to live alone. And so I did that. So with that comes uh, a huge extended family and a reminder of what my life looked like 10 years ago. And every single Christmas for the last two and moving on, I've already been invited. I spend Christmas with them. 
so I get to hang out with their family. They gave me an ornament last year. They wrote a sweet note saying, thank you for being family to us. We put ornaments on the tree. This is your ornament. They gave me matching pajamas. As you can see, the boys had different ones on the right, and girls had different ones on the, the left. I get matching pajamas. They buy me so many presents. I'm not even a gift person. I appreciate thought. I buy my, I'm an adult. I usually buy my own stuff, you know? But the fact that they did that, and they included me, and they've invited me again to, to this Christmas is a really, really big deal. I learned a lot about family and parenting through these people. On the left, my friend Sarah and her very blended family, eight, I can barely fit in the car. I'm like, this is ridiculous. How do you even do this? Like so many people, same thing. And on the right, Pastor Mark, Sonia knows, Pastor Mark, I didn't have a picture of him, sorry, but he's, he's here. He's teaching workshop. Uh, Kim, one of my best friends and her kids, I love them dearly. They have saved my life in more ways than one. Really appreciate them. And again, I've learned more about marriage, especially from this couple, because I hang out a lot. I've learned more about marriage and communication and teamwork, and what it really looks like, what healthy it can be from my friends here. Single people, there's kids there for a reason. Just bear with me. You're like, that's weird. Boom. Here's my encouragement to you. Stay focused. Stay focused on what the Lord has asked you to do, the gifts that he's placed in your life, the time that you have to stay devoted to him, like we talked about today in scripture, to reach out, not to, to be in solitude. As much as we expect married people to invite us into their homes and into our lives, we have to do some reaching out sometimes. We have to say, hey, do you mind if I actually come to your house for dinner at some time in the next couple weeks? Do you mind if we go out for coffee? I'd like to pose some questions and ask you some questions about marriage and life and anything else you want. I really need some company. I really need some companionship. I really need some family. It's on us as well to reach out. Serve well wherever you serve. You serve at a coffee shop, serve well. You, you serve in ministry, Jackson, your youth pastor, serve well. I'm a lot, serve well. Everybody, serve well. Be devoted to God and serve well. Help and babysit. I cannot tell you how life-giving it is for me, these are my three favorite kids. It's Damon, Ashton, and Kyla, and they are Pastor Mark and Kim's kids. They bring me so much life. They bring me so much life. They are so fun, and they're bold, and they're truthful, and they love me, and they love me well, and I get to love them. And I cannot tell you the blessing it is when I get to go to Mark and Kim and say, hey, do you want a date night this week? I'm going to come over, I'll take care of the food, I'll take care of the kids. You guys go out because married people need a break. And it's not even a break, it's connection. Married people need connection. They need to know that they can actually sit down with their spouse and talk to their spouse and talk about what's happening in their lives and, and pray together and whatever else happens around the dinner table at the keg, right? Like, they need to know, but we have the time. We have the time to do that. It's not just single people invite, or married people inviting us and taking care of us, but there's ways in which we can serve. You know, like I was saying the other day, to get out of my house, I put my knapsack on my shoes and I leave the house, right? It's not rocket science. I spent a weekend with my friend and her three kids like a couple weekends ago. I'm like, you do not leave on time. It's like an hour. Like, it's like you're in the car, one's crying, one's pooping. You forget the diaper bag. You don't know, you forgot to tell your husband he needs to do something. You forget to tell your wife she needs to do something. It is like chaos. Just show up and help get the kids in the car sometimes. Just show up and be like, hey, what do you need? Do you want me to help you clean? Do you need a meal? Like, this is how the body is supposed to work. There's no one that's supposed to be discluded based on marital status. Have fun and enjoy your, this is my favorite one. Enjoy your freedom. Do things now. Live your life. Don't be waiting for Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright. I had a high school teacher 
nicknamed Mr. Right once, and I yelled down the hall, Mr. Right, I've been waiting for you all my life. He didn't really appreciate that, but still think about that. <laughs> but have fun. Susan, you're like my number one fan, even though I just kind of met you, but that's cool. But have fun. <laughs> Do things. Travel. Go eat a waffle in Belgium. Right? Go hiking the Grand K Do not. Did you not hear me? Are you listening? Do not. I'm just kidding. Do not hike the Grand Canyon. That do not. <laughs> but do what you want. Live life. Have fun. Play guitar. Yes. Make some art. I don't know. Whatever you guys like doing. Make some coffee. Have fun. And take heart. It's discouraging sometimes in any, in any area that we're in life. It can be discouraging. It can be lonely. And for times like that, there is Hannah, who would like to open 1 Samuel 115 so I can get a break from talking and read it for us. Are you, are we, are you, do you mind? No, I don't mean. Okay, thanks. I do have it pulled up if I am prepared, just, you know, but I thought somebody would love to read that for me. Okay, I got it. Okay, thank you. Which version is it? Any version you want. I'm just kidding, just go. I'm just kidding, just go, just go, just go. Okay, there was a certain man from Ramatham. Uh, a Zupite from the hill a country of Ephraim, whose names was Ikla, son of Jerome, names. Uh, the son of Elu, the son of uh, Toa, and the son of uh, Zab, an Ephraite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah, and the other, uh, Hannah. Hannah had, had, two, uh, had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at uh, Shiloh, where Haphai and Phineas, <laughs> the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah uh, to sacrifice, he, he would give portions of the meat to his wife, uh, Penah and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her, and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her uh, rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked uh, her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband, Elkanah, uh, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once, when they had finished eating and drinking at Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery, remember me, and not forget your servant who gave her a son. Uh, forget your servant, but give her a son. Then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but his, her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk, and said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. 
Thank you, good sir. Did you catch that? Hannah has this deep desire to be a mom. She's married to Elkanah, and so is a lady named Peninnah, which is so weird. I don't know why they didn't have baby name books back then. And so, and so Peninnah is being a woman, because sometimes we do that, right? Like sometimes we, we poke at people like my sister did that day in the car. Like, hey, I'm so successful. She's taking a jab at me, right? She was taking a jab at me. And the, the woman saying red flag and all, all the preconceived ideas about being single. And, and here she is being provoked by Peninnah to look at me. I have kids. Look at me, I have kids, and there's people in our lives, and, and society does the same thing. Society has a view of success for us, right? And anyone, not just single people, right? If you, if you don't own a home and you don't own a car and, and you're not busy, like we're talking the opposite th- this week, it's like you are not successful. There, there's this, this way in which you need to live outside of the church and also in the church, and here's Hannah, and she's feeling it. She's feeling it, right? That's why I say take heart, because sometimes we're feeling it. You know, we, we get those wedding invitations and we don't have a plus one or we do have a plus one, which is worse because then you're like, well, who can I take, right? Like, is it's an option? You're like, I'm a failure. I'm nobody, right? Or, or you're hearing comments or, or social media and you're scrolling. And on Mother's Day, you're seeing all your friends with their kids. And I mean, you know how hard it is for me to see a, a, a camper that I had in kids camp get married and have kids before me? Right? Like, that's difficult sometimes. It's difficult. It's real. It's raw. As much as singleness is a gift, and I preach that, I mean it, I wouldn't get up here if I didn't. I would have told EJ to find someone else. I believe that singleness is a gift, but sometimes, sometimes that desire is just so huge and all-consuming, whatever it is, whether you're married or not. We all have these desires in our hearts. And we're hanging on, and we say, Lord, you promise in Psalms, you know, like that if we delight in you, that you'll give us the desires of, of our heart. And here she is, and she's being provoked and provoked, but her, her response is what I want to encourage us with today, and, and sometimes it's not mine. Do you hear that? I'm just being honest with you. Sometimes I try to watch lots of Netflix, right? Or I eat a cookie, or maybe two, because I hike the Grand Canyon, I'm allowed, okay? Or, or I call a friend before I cry out to the Lord. Or I just keep scrolling like an idiot. And I just keep looking and looking and looking like, oh, I mean, you know, like all this, these reactions. But Hannah says, I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I haven't been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Lord, it's not fair that Peninnah has kids and I don't. It's the same man, which is complicated and weird. And it's like, I, I, I have this huge desire in my heart. So much, in fact, that, that Eli thought that she was drunk. And so with our unmet desire, if you do desire to be married, because some of us are called to celibacy for the rest of our life, I don't even know if I have an end date, and that's okay. That's the place I've come to in my life. That when we're feeling it, when we're scrolling, when people are saying horrible comments to us, whether great intention or not, when society is telling us that we're not successful, when the church is saying, you went through Bible college and didn't get a missus degree, we can pour our hearts out to the Lord. It's like our good friend. I say that. I just like talked about it at the beginning. She's, not, she's dead for one. But she said it best when she said, it is a safe thing to trust him to fulfill the desire that he creates. That word safe, I don't know about you, does something to me. I, I constantly feel unsafe. I'm one of those people that I'm like, can I trust this? Can I trust that? Can I trust this? It's something the Lord's working on me. But that word safe is, is really important to me. And so when I see it, I really, I really actually reflect and think about it and be like, it's safe. But it's true, though. The Lord is safe. It is a safe thing to trust him to fulfill the desire that he creates.
And you know, Hannah had a son named Samuel. Hannah had a son, the Samuel, by that, conceived the next morning, the Samuel. So there's timing. The Lord's timing is perfect. I try to trust that. I do trust that a lot of times. Sometimes I don't, but I tell myself that he's safe and he's trustworthy. And no matter what your desire is today, whether it's to be married, to have kids, for a dream that the Lord has placed in your heart, to be healthy, whatever the case may be, it is a safe thing to trust him to fulfill the desire that he creates. I'm going to pray, and then I'll open up to questions and answers, and, uh, and then you, you can have a little break before lunch. Sound good? Amazing. Well, Jesus, first and foremost, I pray for the married people in this room. I pray, Lord God, that you would help them to find time to connect to their spouse, God, that, that those vows that they made one day, God, would, would just drive them to continue to love despite flaws and continue to love despite challenges and, and frustrations and schedules and stuff that you're doing in, in their hearts as individuals. It's so hard to evolve and, and to, to learn and to grow sometimes and to have somebody that you're accountable to, God, but I pray that you would, yeah, just help them to connect and to protect. Uh, their relationship. I pray, Lord, that you would open up their eyes to see the single people in their life and whom they can they can invite around their table and not worry about how clean their house is or how good their kids are acting or whatever the case may be, that they would just take a step of faith and just realize that we are body and we are meant to, to work together and to live together and do life together, God. So I pray, Lord, that you would just instill that on their heart, open up a way in which night, in which uh, fund support, whatever the case may be, whatever they need, God, to make that happen. God, I pray that they would step out. And God, for us single folks in this room, Lord, I thank you that we're not less than. I thank you that we're not incomplete. I thank you that we're not, well, we are deeply flawed, but not more deeply flawed than anybody else in this room who is not single. God, I thank you that you love us, that you have a call on our lives, Lord, that you have called us to minister your gospel to the people that you've intentionally placed in our lives. Would you help us to use our time wisely? Would you help us to have fun and to experience the freedom that you have called us to and the freedom that you have provided in our lives? God, would you help us, Lord, to be able to interact and to reach out when we need to and to be able to open up our eyes to see where we can help people in our lives that, that are married, that have kids. God, that, that again, that we have a responsibility in, in, in this body of Christ as well. And God, I pray for the times, Lord, for all of us, whether it's it's being married or having kids, whatever the case may be, those times where we feel so discouraged and frustrated, where we feel alone, God, where we're, we're scrolling through Facebook and seeing everybody else's lives, when we feel like we're not living up to society standards or the church's standards, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you'd be ever-present in those moments. God, that you remind us of stories like Hannah, God, that, that you do, Lord, fulfill the desires that you've placed in our hearts in your due times. So would you help us all, no matter what our status is, God, to have a deep trust in you and your plan for our lives because you are a good God and you love us. In your wonderful name, amen. Amen. I just learned PowerPoint. I'm so impressed with this, so I just had to put it up. Like, it just spun. Did you see that? Okay, so look. I learned a new life skill because of EJ asked me to do this, so. Wow. Any questions? Single men? Yeah. Do you know of any? Um, or people, too. I mean, it's up to you, yeah, what, the, you know what? what that looks like. There's one guy mentoring his wife left, and I think that sort of augured him in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's pretty much, you know, other than my, my son is single now. Yeah. Think, 
but he's uh, gone through a divorce. So, yeah. Um, I, any I, advice? Yeah, I think in, in any in any opportunity you get just to be real about it like you said you've been married twice right and so I'm sure that you've you've learned some things you've seen some things I think you know in the church especially what I'm seeing with my friends and and other people that that marriages are failing because they're not set up for success and and they're not um they're not they don't know that they're able to seek help there's a stigma attached with having counseling I mean I have counseling as as an individual and I think it's the most freeing thing in the entire world right to ask questions before you talk because when people sit down and just assume I'm looking for a husband is really discouraging because they I they see me they're already putting walls up because they see me as incomplete yeah. right they they they're looking at me like oh something's missing I'm gonna help you <laughs> right but just to ask questions like maybe Tattoo Bob doesn't want to get married again he's fine yeah or try no and fixing it never never works there's times like as Christians we can be spirit led there's times where I felt like listening to somebody I was supposed to say something right or or them doing that to me and there's other times where presence is just the most important but in this case I think you have a lot of experience in marriage right and, and a heart to to help and so just ask the Lord to to bring you single people in your life and and just you know listen and have those heart to hearts and don't say dumb things no pressure Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. There's grace. Don't, no, say, there's, dumb, there's, don't say dumb things. Yeah. No. There, there's grace for that, right? We all say dumb things, but. I think you're beautiful. I think you're. Oh, you're very kind. Thank you very much. Amazing. I appreciate that, Bill. Thank you. Um. Okay. So, uh, one of my biggest frustrations uh, is more with the ministry side and feeling handcuffed as a single pastor. Like you can't mentor girls. Right. Or right. there's a lot of different. Like that. That's one. Um, and and that, that's okay. But, uh, yeah, there's just kind of these going through ministry and feeling like, oh, I can't do that because I don't have this person with me or whatever. Yeah. Um, do, do you feel that, and how do you reconcile that? In my role, I don't feel that at all because I am basically there to take care of the logistics on a team. Now, that's not doesn't mean I'm not hanging out with sure. people and, like, on a street walk, I'm, like, walking beside a gentleman, and but there's a community around me that right. holds us accountable. Yeah. Not that I want to do anything, obviously, just to make it clear, yeah. but... But there are people around that, that that's not going to happen, right? Yeah. So, But in my role, it's not necessarily something that, that I would come across. As a youth pastor, I can appreciate that that is a very difficult thing um, to, to go through and to process because of things that have happened or speculations or if you're hanging out with a girl just met in there, Everett Jackson loves so-and-so. Like, yeah. it's, it's a very complicated thing, right? And I think so I would suggest, and, and I'm not, you have to listen to the Lord, because sometimes maybe he is saying, go and, and pray with this girl, or go and, but I was taught in youth groups to always bring someone with me, yeah. and so the, obviously you don't, you don't, you're not married, but they're hoping there's a female leader yeah. on your team yeah. that, hey, if you feel like you're supposed to pray with someone, you can be like, hey, Susan, come over here with me, I'm just going to go pray for Jessica, yeah. or if you really feel like you're supposed to go for coffee, and Susan's not equipped, or you don't trust Susan to go, not you, Susan, obviously, I trust you, but Right? Then you can be like, hey, listen, like, I'm actually going to pass, not yeah. as, as a project, but I'm going to pass Jessica off to you. Yeah. It's, it is complicated. It is restricting for sure. I, I can appreciate that. But that would be my only suggestion, unless, again, obviously listen to the Lord more than my answers. But um, I can appreciate that's very tricky. Yeah, but in my role, no, I, I don't really, really have to deal with that much. So, yeah. Hope that helps. Yes, my dear. Find that balance between having all this time and devoting it to God, but also taking care of yourself. Yeah, like, I'm on a team that is mostly married, so yeah, yeah. I get a lot of the early morning, stay up late because I have sure you do, sure the, you do the, more of the time to do it. But then there's also a lot of burnout with that as well. So how do you have that? Uh, I would say it starts with a conversation. 
Because they are expecting you to be able to stay up and to go to, because they don't think you have a life. And you do. <laughs> right? No, but, and self-care is, is a hard thing for anyone to go through in any ministry and any leader that I've had. They don't always encourage it single or married. It's very like, there's an intention. We need to share the gospel. People are dying. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, right? Where self-care is very biblical and very important. And there's a workshop on that later, right? About being like in it for the long haul. Uh, I would say it starts with a conversation. If you're if you're feeling that, you need to, uh, and hopefully you have safe leaders to do that, you need to pull them aside and be like, hey, listen, I need to rest. And even though you're married or whatever the case may be, you can pick up the slack. Don't use those words. Do not use those words. Do not quote me with those words. <laughs> but but I think Susan. But I think that's why my name's your name's in my head. I think a conversation needs to start, and you are responsible for your own boundaries, which is a really hard thing to do, right? But if you're noticing that now, now is the time to have a conversation because I have been burnt out and I have been tired. I have really good self care now. I take care of myself well. I shut my phone off once a week. I wish I could do it seven days a week, but I shut my phone off once a week, and I am not available to anybody. And I do what I want to do. Sometimes it means going and hanging out with friends. Sometimes it means staying in bed all day. Sometimes it means reading a book under a tree. I do whatever I want in that very day. And I tell you that one day alone, the protection, if that's where it starts, actually helps you endure the other six. If you found that insightful and you want to contact Paula or you want to learn more about the ministries that she's involved in and has been involved in, Go to our show notes at SidewalkSkylinePodcast.com and uh, on the page, uh, Single in the City, you'll find links uh, that will take you uh, to things that Paula is involved in. On our next episode of Sidewalk Skyline Podcast, uh, we're going to uh, do a little bit of a deep dive into uh, what urban ministry uh, has been in the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. And uh, we're going to uh, hear some stories and uh, get some insights from uh, PAOC's own archivist, Jim Craig. Uh, We recorded some of our early podcasts in season one at the archives of PAOC. And while there, we had an opportunity to tour through and see uh, what Jim does for a living and some fascinating insights uh, about uh, archives, about urban ministry, uh, and history in general. Uh, Jim is uh, a man uh, that has uh, so many um, incredible insights, and uh, he's working on a project called Preparing for the Storm to Come, an analysis of the challenges and opportunities for full-onset post-Christendom anti-Christian culture in Canada. Well, we uh, recorded that uh, session, and um, we're certainly seeing uh, in the time we're living now how uh, we need to be thinking differently and preparing in some ways for the storm to come. So uh, tune in uh, to our next episode on February 1st to hear Jim Craig. Don't be afraid Don't be afraid